Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, I don't know about you, but this is, for me, the absolute hardest passage in all of Scripture. I think that at times we've become so used to the call to love our enemies because we've heard it in the past, that we forget the weight of it. We forget the gravity. We forget how much this demands from us. Now, this call to love our enemies as ourselves is found here in Luke, in the Sermon on the Plain, and it's found in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. And many scholars think that these were probably actually the same sermon. Only Matthew puts it on the mount because Matthew is very concerned with presenting Jesus as a new and better Moses, whereas Luke is there, is, he's the great leveler, the leveler between those who are rich and those who are poor. Nonetheless, this call to love our enemies is found in both Gospels. Now, I don't know about you, but when I used to read the Sermon on the Mount as a kid, I used to kind of check off the ones in my mind, oh, I'm doing that pretty well, or, you know, maybe that one I need to work on a little bit. Um, but as you read the Sermon on the Mount, it starts from like, well, maybe this is possible, to this seems impossible. The Sermon on the Mount climaxes with that command, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And right before that call, right before the climax, the pinnacle, the apex of the sermon, is this command. Love your enemies as yourself. Now, I think that when I was a kid, I also used to think that this, would, this was doable. Um, today, I tend to think that I guess I just didn't really have any true enemies. No one who hurt me deeply, no one who betrayed me. I don't want to be too hard on my younger self. I definitely had that one kid, I feel like all of us do, in middle school who just seemed to want to make my life a living hell. Maybe you had someone like this as well, but I think even then, I was like, well, maybe I can pray for that guy. Maybe I can, maybe I can get to the place of forgiving him. But in these past two decades, again, I don't know about you, but I've actually, for the first times in my life, experienced real hurt, real betrayal, real disappointment from those closest to me. Maybe you've experienced the same. Maybe you've experienced betrayal or hurt from the one whom you love. Maybe you have a rival at work who always likes to take credit for what you do, or who's just simply your rival and you can't stand that person. Or maybe worse, maybe like in our Old Testament lesson, the lesson of Joseph, you have been betrayed and hurt most deeply by your very own flesh and blood your family, who is supposed to be there for you. 
Now, people as diverse as Richard Dawkins and Ta-Nehisi Coates, people who I deeply respect for a lot of things, both say the problem they have with Christianity is the call to forgive. They call this command an injustice. And most days, when I'm thinking about those who've hurt me the worst, who've betrayed me, who've let me down, I tend to want to agree with them. For when I internalize this text, this command seems like the worst news of all. I talked to some of you this week who've told me there's a person or two or more in your life who it would take a miracle to forgive. I am no different than you. Now, I think a lot of we Christians, we, we put a lot of weight in this one passage of Scripture. You may know it, you may not. It goes like this. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And that oftentimes is given as a, a command to, well, you better just forgive them. I don't care what they did to you. Just get it over with. And get it over with now because God says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, I think that that command is actually very much life-giving. It's, it's good news. In this instance, as in most instances, the law is actually good news. For so often, that resentment we carry, so often, that hate that we hold on to, so often, that lack of forgiving spirit is only poisoning us. It's as if we're taking pills to make ourselves worse, and the other person isn't thinking about us at all. But it feels so good, so I do it all the time. That said, I think that we do make this command, this call, do too much work. I'll give you an example. Some of you are familiar with the great German philosopher Immanuel Kant. He gives us the categorical imperative, essentially making the law of your life a universal, not so very different than what we heard today. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, later in life, Kant had this manservant. His name was Martin Lamp. And they were more than, he, it was more than Lamp working for Kant. Martin was a friend, a close friend to Kant. And toward the end of his life, Kant found that his manservant had been embezzling his money for quite some time. He knew that he had to let him go, had to fire his good friend. And he tells his friend the day he finds out about the embezzling, Martin, I forgive you. Only what we come to see, and Jim Monroe is actually the one who informed me of this story, is that if you look at his journal entries for the next two or so years, at the very top is the same opener. Remember to forgive Martin Lamp. I think that's actually more true to how forgiveness comes about. I don't know about you, But when someone tells me, do not let the sun go down on your anger, forgive and forget, 
which actually is nowhere to be found in Scripture. I can't help but butt up against that. I hate it. Now, I'm an Enneagram 6, so betrayal is like the worst possible thing for me. I feel it in a way, we sixes feel it in a way that you others don't. But I'm willing to bet that it doesn't feel very good for you either. So what do we make of Jesus' command to love our enemies, to pray for those who abuse us, to walk with those who persecute us? This is the law. It's the law at its highest pitch, right before the command to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's the hardest thing. And while a lot of our laws and our scriptures are found in parallel ancient Near Eastern accounts, I'll give you one example. The call, essentially in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it's found in the Code of Hammurabi. A lot of the laws are found also in ancient Near Eastern parallel text. But nowhere do we see the call to forgive our enemies. In fact, Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew goes so far as to say, you have heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is the apex of the law. But that's not the final word. Thanks be to God, because I'd be failing terribly. The final word, and what this text is really about, what the whole Sermon of the Mount is really about, go home and read it again. For little Ben was wrong. The Sermon on the Mount is not about, I can obey this. I'm not doing so well on that. Got to pray about this one. The Sermon on the Mount shows us the character of Jesus Christ. Who is the one who loves his enemies? St. Paul makes it explicit. What Matthew and Luke leave implicit, St. Paul tells the world. While we were yet sinners... Christ died for the ungodly, for you and for me. St. Paul goes on to say, in, in a way that should offend us, he says that we were enemies of God. While we were enemies of God, it is at that moment that Christ died for the ungodly. It is not after we repented, after we got our acts together, after we made a promise to God. It is while we were there that Christ came after suffering sinners like you and me. That is the balm of Gilead. That is the good news of the gospel. And this news is not just For the past, it's not just when you were baptized or when you became a Christian. Christ is moving toward you and me when we're running the exact opposite way 
now. And I'm bold enough to say, even when we do it five days from now, or an hour from now, Jesus is the one who loves his enemies. And it is this gospel, this balm, that has the power to break down our stone-cold hearts and give us a heart of flesh. For I don't know about you, but every time I try, when someone tells me, oh, just forgive that person, get over it, Ben, forget about it, my stone-cold heart gets even colder. We serve the one who raises the dead and who calls into existence the things that do not exist. This perfect one, this one who loved his enemies as he loved himself, has to create this in us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will. So what does this all mean? What this means is that whether or not you leave this place and forgive that person who hurt you so much, who betrayed you, maybe you're in this room and you've experienced things that I can only dream of. You've experienced real oppression. And you're like, Ben, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm the first to admit it. I don't. But this is not a call to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. That we can do this of our own volition. This is something that needs to come from outside of us. This has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And as we internalize this balm, this one-way love, this radical gospel, this love that is moving towards us and will not let us go. It might be then, as we hear this word week after week, day to day, hour to hour, that we find our stone-cold hearts loosening up to be open to light and life. But again, if there is one thing I want you to hear in this sermon, it is not forgive that person now. Get over it. Forgive and forget. It is our Lord Jesus Christ has been, is, and moving towards us not after we start to get our acts together, but while we're caught in the mire, when we're running the other way. And this word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has the power to call into existence the things that do not exist. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish,
can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.